glass, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. Trying to get hit, musical loudest, nigga but hits If I hop on it, then do what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch I come to party, trying to get hit Musical loudest, nigga but hits If I hop on it, then do what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch Four, three, two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have not been on since January 10th, 2021, but we are here. We're finally back. No distractions. It's been nearly eight days now, but like thinking about it in a way, it's like, it feels like it was extra longer because I was thinking about doing one and I was uh, kind of pressuring myself. I wasn't necessarily like on a break or anything. We literally did record like half a podcast the other day but i was absolutely smashed and fucked up out of my mind so i just felt like oh it's better not it's best to not release that one i think i think it's better just to do one we're a little bit more coherent here on this episode but anyways guys welcome back to a brand new episode of kicking it with the king is your host gabriel hernandez as always follow me on twitter at g the king mma g meeker underscore mma on Snapchat, Instagram.com slash KWTKPod. Like I said, G the King Official is no longer an account. It was taken down by Instagram. Otherwise, I would have shouted that account out as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's good to have you guys back. It's good to be here on a Monday. Happy Martin Luther King Day for all, to all. Um... I know a lot of people probably got the day off, but salute to the ones who are still working on the holidays. Salute to the ones who get up every morning. Obviously, it's not the easiest thing in the morning when you got to get up super early. You got to set your alarm. You got to worry about what time you're going to bed at so you can ensure that you get a good, efficient, safe amount of uh, rest so you can progress in the next day, right? That that's That's the most important thing is for people to get their sleep and stuff. Uh, here we are talking about sleep here in the first like, two minutes of the podcast. So, like I said, sit back and relax, ladies and gentlemen. we got a good show today. Um, obviously, we the uh, UFC returned for the first time in two weeks. Just this last Saturday, we had Max Holloway take on Calvin Cater. And, boy, did they both deliver. I mean, more so on the side of Max Holloway. Looking absolutely outstanding. Looking like a brand new fighter. Looking like a future champion. Looking like a, a guy who never lost the belt. He looked absolutely outstanding. He picked his shots wisely. You know, obviously, like he said he, he wore down Calvin Cater. But Calvin Cater, being as tough as he is, wasn't going anywhere. And, you know, I got a little nervous sometimes when Holloway would get a little reckless and kind of leave his head up in the center line. And, 
know, you get caught, you got caught a couple good times, and Calvicator can crack. I mean, he hit him with a couple good elbows and stuff too. So, you know, any given time, you know, you can have a master perform, masterful performance like Max, but get caught at any given time. I mean, Calvin Cater's as dangerous as they come. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't Calvin Cater's night. It was Max Holloway's. Max Holloway looked absolutely outstanding. It it's, it blows my mind. It blew my mind then that to see him do that. I, I didn't skip the fights. It was like, oh, my God, amazing performance after amazing performance. And then we go down from the main event to the co-main event. Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, a fight that a lot of people have been wanting to see for a long, long, long time. These guys were previously scheduled twice to uh, meet, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. Third time's a charm. And Carlos Condit defeats Matt Brown by unanimous decision. And really impressive. He looked good. Carlos looked good, and that was the last fight on his contract for anybody that didn't know that as well, but, you know, Carlos did good, you know, his reversals, his sweeps, you know, the takedowns that he was he was initiating, and then how he was able to reverse a couple of positions, um, um, some seemed to be a little confused about the scoring, you know, some thought it was a little one-sided scoring when the fight was a little more, a little bit more competitive, I mean, in the first round, I give the first round to Matt Brown, obviously, he took... Carlos Condit down. Um, he didn't really do too much crazy damage. I mean, I feel like Carlos Condit busted him up from the bottom. You know, Carlos busts everybody up. I mean, he busted George St. Pierre up and obviously had a back-and-forth fight with Nick Diaz. And, you know, overall, Car Carlos Condit's his game as they come. And if you could look at one of his kryptonites, it is is a wrestler. is in the grappling. Obviously, he's a phenomenal grappler phenomenal submissions off his back and Carlos Condit's the whole package and he proved that and looked absolutely amazing that's two wins in a row for Carlos at one point in time he was a uh, you know uh guard as one of the best fighters uh on the planet I mean you know the face of the WEC welterweight division former champion over there former interim UFC champion here fought the likes of Robbie Lawler Nick Diaz George St. Pierre Tyron Woodley Tiago Alves, Mark and Catman, Jake Allenberger. And he, he's fought the who's who of the UFC and WEC, and he's put together a legendary resume now, obviously, with free agency. I mean, he looked as good as ever, so I mean, it seems like a normal thing to have Carlos Condit in the UFC for, like, remember his entire career? It seems like he's had his whole entire career in the UFC, essentially, and definitely has had... Uh, a lot of his biggest fights and some of the biggest fights in and under the UFC banner. So, <coughs> excuse me. It would be a kind of a different sight to see him go over to another organization. I mean, I, I mean, it's not like it's not a. Uh, it's not like it's not a possible thing. I mean, it's very likely in this day and age, in this climate, in this world of the, uh, you know, MMA nowadays. I mean, if you look at everybody testing free agency and you know going and seeing where they're where they're truly worth. Or what they're truly worth outside of the UFC, and we've seen a merge of fighters jump a ship, either to Bellator. I mean, PFL just got Anthony Pettis. I mean, Yoel Romero signing with Bellator. So I mean, Carlos Condit being a player in the Bellator 170 pound division. There's some solid killers over there. There's some good fights over there. 170 pounds over in Bellator, but it's only a matter of what Carlos is going to do and if he wants to stay and fight in the UFC. Because if you look at it. You know, you can look at it multiple ways. I mean, the UFC is, you can look at it this way. UFC has the best fighters. It's probably the most popular brand, most popular MMA organization. And um, 
you know, you know, it's where all the big dogs are. You know, that's where everybody's been trying to get to their entire careers. They try to get to the UFC, but, you know, Carlos obviously has fought in the UFC for over 10 years. So I'm not really thinking that he's going to be missing out on too much if he leaves the UFC, especially at the stake of his career where he's at now. I mean, obviously, like I said, he's winning. He looked good. And I think, obviously, when he comes in and he looks healthy and he fights the way he fought, like he fought uh, that last uh, uh, on last Saturday, you know, obviously, like with the with the fight. Uh, who did Carlos? Oh, Carlos. Um, before he fought, who, who did he fight before he just recently fought? Okay, so he beat Court McGee, and that was a, supposed to be a real big, uh, you know, a big test for him, too, and, you know, kind of like a gauge to see where he truly was at. Had he lost that fight, it would have been probably spelling ending for him, but he won that one, and he won this recent one, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, Carlos Condit next. Um, unfortunately, Santiago Ponzinibbio got knocked down. I mean, man. And, you know, he was leaving his head kind of out in the open. I mean, Le- the leech lead Gene Leung hits real hard and, you know, is very good and very, very, you know, aw- very awkwardly moving and stuff. But he hits real hard and, you know, Santiago Ponzinibbio's 8-5 win streak, boom, just got demolished. Absolutely insane. And it didn't even last a full round. I mean, to come back after not fighting since 2018, to coming back, having your eight-fight win streak snapped, he just got bumped from the top all the way to the fucking bottom. I mean, he can work himself, work himself, work his way back up. I mean, Santiago's a top-ranked contender. I mean, he he, he is a uh, top-10-level fighter, but... When you lose to somebody that's not even, if I'm not believing, if I'm not um, 100% sure, but is Lee Ji Leung in the rankings? i never seen him in the rankings. If he's not, if he is, then by all means, he lost to a ranked guy. But, you know, essentially losing to a non-ranked guy and you're a ranked guy, that's, that spells uh, pretty bad uh, luck for you. But um, he will be back. Obviously, it's unfortunate to come and uh, return after a long time like that and lose an under a round like that. But, uh I'm sure he'll be back better than ever. So um, now, now we go back to the main event. What's next for Max Holloway following that dominating win? Like that was a dominant win. I mean, as tough as Calvin Cater was in this sport in this day and age, toughness is not enough. You can't rely on your toughness to get you through. You know, I'm not just gonna make it by in these fights. You know, if you ha- if you want to have a competitive edge, if you want to be competitive and not have this fight almost seemingly one-sided, then you've got to really, you know, not saying that Calvin Cater didn't step up or didn't rely, he just relied on his toughness. That's far from true. I think it's just like the type of guy that Max Holloway is for sure shows that he is elite and obviously deserving of another shot at that featherweight title against Volkanovski. I mean, arguably, people thought he won both fights. I mean, second one was a lot more controversial in a lot of people's eyes, too. And obviously, the champion, Volkanovski, was watching it, tweet a couple times, and said something about, you know, Max not pulling those numbers when he's in front of him or anything like that. But it's like one of those rare occasions where people thought you won both times. So, I mean, logically, if you look at it, it would be hard to sell a third one, especially if the guy's 2-0 and versus... Another fighter. I mean, if you're 2-0 up against another guy, what makes a 
difference for the third fight. It's obviously usually like one and one, and then the third one's the one that settles all the beef, but now this is like 2-0 and for Max Holloway in a lot of people's eyes. So, um, And then you got the other side thinking about, oh, man, Volk has already beat him twice. You know, he used utilized leg kicks. He shut Max down, and he didn't allow Max to dictate the pace that Max usually does. So Volk and Asi won both fights. People are thinking that. Okay, so it's hard to sell a third fight. So what's next for Max? There's really no one else at the top right now that really, you know, is doing anything. There's no other fights for Max right now. Because if you look at it, now we've got Volkanovski taking on Brian Ortega. And Max has significant history with both of those guys. I mean, fought Volkanovski twice. Played punching bag with, with Brian Ortega's face when he defended his title against... Uh, when he was defending the title. I mean, it was one-sided, man. That fight with Brian Ortega was completely one-sided, too. I mean, Brian Ortega, similarly to Calvin Cater... You know, would fire back. He had a lot of heart. He wasn't going anywhere. He didn't have any quit in him. So, I mean, Max just shuts people down. And, you know, we've seen it on Saturday night. You know, that was a championship-level performance. He looked absolutely amazing. And there's a, you know, mid-fight when he was tur- turning and talking to DC while throwing punches and stuff like that and, and pointing and just, you know, he was he was real fired up. He was real amped up. And, you know, that was one of the best Max Holloways we've ever seen. We see that Max Holloway against Volkanovski. Ten times out of ten, he wins that fight every single time so um congrats to him i'd like to see him fight for the title next i don't think there's really anybody else that he should be fighting unless it's for a belt or like you said something happens with uh this weekend's this next weekend's pay-per-view then uh we'll see what happens you know what i mean you know, I, I highly doubt anything is going to happen. Obviously, like I said, they got to pass a corona test and, you know, quarantine and all this other different stuff, right? But then, uh, you know, obviously I feel like the fight is good to go. Poirier versus Connor. We'll talk about that coming up next, too. Um, but for Max, I do think he should fight the winner of Volkanovski versus Ortega because he's done more than enough to warrant and prove that. I mean, there's really no one else at 145. Maybe a Zabit. But when have we seen him fight? It's been a while since we've seen him fight. I mean, Holloway at this point is deserving of championship-level fights. And I don't want to see him in any other fights unless it's for a belt. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, um, speaking of that, moving along. But quickly, before we move along, we are brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a new year, new opportunities, new uh, opportunities, new ways to grow, new ways to set some goals up, New Year's resolutions, whether it's cutting out fast food, whether it's starting a podcast, ah, like we're doing right now. Um, Anchor is the app for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's it, 100% free. It guides you through it step by step. And all the tutorials, all the things you may have questions about, it guides you through it step by step. You can visit the website directly at www.anchor.fm forward slash start to start your own podcast today. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, they give you opportunities. They get, it, It's a new year. It's opportunities to start off right. Talk about anything you want. And you know that Anchor is is the is the best number one app. I think it's like one of the shittiest uh, um, ads I've ever done. That was freehanded, ladies and gentlemen. Anchor.fm forward slash start to start your own podcast today. Um, yeah, like I said, it's a new year, new opportunities, 
You know, some people can say, New Year, same me, and you know, we're still going to keep doing the same stuff. But if you want to think about it, it's a breath of fresh air. It's a time period in your life that you, you know, you, you, were, you were able to get through. And for lots of people, 2020 was a very, uh, you know, what's it called? A very challenging year, very tough, very emotionally draining for a lot of people. So now that it's a new year, you get a little bit of an opportunity to have a fresh start. To take all the pressures off your back. To not have to really worry about that too much. You know what I mean? It's a time and opportunity to start fresh. And, you know, if you have goals or you have things that you, you want to accomplish, you know, now's the time to really highlight those and really focus deeply on it. You know what I mean? But anyways, guys, moving along to UFC um, 257. I do believe it's UFC 257, right? UFC 257, Poirier versus McGregor. Come on, fucking dumbass phone. You know when you try to type your passcode in hella fast? And it just, like, it says it's wrong. Hold on, so let's see. UFC. Yep, UFC 257 will be a rematch between two top tier, top ranked, and two bad motherfuckers overall. I mean, the return of Connor. We get the return of Connor in January. You know, similarly to last year, we got him around the same time as well. And we're getting a rematch that's nearly like six years in the making. I mean, the first time we've seen these guys fight, it was at 145 pounds, and they're both at different parts of their careers and you know both have very much matured since then both have had some very um huge success inside the cage and outside the cage you know if you're talking about connor with his proper 12 and you know just you know being able to box floyd mayweather having all these people wanting to call him out being one of the biggest straws in the ufc i mean poirier's went on to you know win a belt uh i you know i'd like to say he won an interim belt so that counts technically as winning a belt and, and he went on to have some fight of the night and fight of the year performances as well. And essentially has not lost since uh, the Michael Johnson fight. I mean, he lost to Khabib, but who doesn't lose to Khabib? So, like I said, I mean, other than that, other than Khabib and Michael Johnson fight, throughout like eight fights or something like that, Poirier is like, you know, essentially perfect. He's looked good. He's looked great. And Connor, his only losses were to Nate Diaz and to um, Khabib as well. But, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a huge rematch. I'm genuinely curious to see the improvements on both sides. I mean, more so on the side of Poirier because, obviously, like I said, the, the first fight, it was competitive. It's, I mean, it didn't last that long, but it's, if it does last longer, I think, you know, Poirier is not a guy that you're just going to get out of there, especially not nowadays in this new day and age. I mean, especially with the improvements, the significant improvements that he has made, I think it's going to be a different fight completely. I mean, Connor's predicting he's going to stop Poirier in under 60 seconds. I, I don't think that's the case. But, but one thing I was thinking about, I mean, it could be the very, very well be the case because if you listen to this next point, it's also very important too. Um, I, w- I was watching the countdown show yesterday, right? And, you know, I was just sitting there thinking. I was thinking in my head. I was like, you know, uh, Poirier, you know, is a significantly improved fighter. He's definitely improved over the years. He's definitely gotten better. He definitely has the skills. He definitely can punch. Um... But 
you know, the slugfest that he's been getting. You know, the fights with Gaethje, the fights with Eddie Alvarez, being the hard fights he had with the hard fight he had with Dan Hooker just recently. But you can't go into every single fight like that. Like every single time you fight, oh, your last fight was a bloody, you know, blood and guts war. You can't do that because eventually, like over time, it's gonna catch up to you. And a guy that hits as hard as Connor does, I don't feel like that's a that's not a, a guy you want to be playing pitter patter with and try to get into a long, you know, drawn out slugfest with. I mean, Connor did say himself. I do believe I've seen something, uh, a report or like something like an interview or some shit that said something about he wants his fight to be a little bit more longer. But then, you know, hence perfect um, world for Connor. He gets Poirier out, Poirier out there in the first round and. You know, obviously that sets up bigger things. I mean, we've got a fantastic Coleman event too between Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler. So it's between those four. It's like a mini lightweight tournament. So out of those four fighters, whoever looks the most impressive or whoever comes out with the biggest performance will, you know, obviously have a, um, a genuine shot to draw the UFC lightweight champion Khabib out of semi-retirement because he did say, Khabib said, that if he sees something exciting from those two uh, fights on the weekend, uh, the upcoming, the Connor versus Poirier, Hooker versus Chandler, then that may draw him out. But if not, then I think he's going to carry on and officially vacate his title. I mean, but, you know, for me, honestly, I was thinking about this yesterday as well. I mean, Khabib versus Connor rematch, I mean, I don't know how much more differently it's going to go than the first time. Um, Khabib, Poirier, I don't really think that's going to go too differently than it did the first time. Um, Khabib versus Hooker, no, I'm not necessarily interested. Khabib versus Chandler, I mean, Khabib versus Chandler is like, uh, that's logically an exciting one. Say Michael Chandler comes in there and looks absolutely amazing. He flatlines uh, Dan Hooker or something like that. I mean, it's going to be a hard argument. I mean, his wrestling is excellent. He's very fast, very quick with wrestling. I'd say that's one of his best areas i don't feel like he is a guy that's easy to hold down but when khabib gets a hold of you man it's a whole different ball game but um realistically if chandler is to win against hooker i highly doubt that he gets in the talks for the title unless khabib himself wants to fight him i mean but chandler and jump in connor if connor has a spectacular win over poirier i mean that connor fight with khabib was you know bananas you know, the lead up to it, you know, all the press conferences and everything that happened after UFC 229. I mean, but if you look at all the, um, what's it called? Uh, you know, the, the security, you know, not, not the security, uh, precautions and, you know, uh, there's security precautions and there's just a lot of nerve wracking, uh, um, things to think about when it comes to this rematch. It's not just a fight, but you've got to look at the backstage stuff. You know, the weigh-ins, post-fight. You know, to, to avoid anything happening. Because you remember the tension in the first fight. It, it was it was real high, man. The tension was real high. And then, you know, that, that whole you know, spiral, the whole bus incident before that. And then, you know, they finally get locked in the cage with each other. And then, you know, the whole brawls, all the brawls happen. Members of Khabib's team jump the cage and start attacking Connor. I mean, we don't want to repeat something else like that, especially not in this day, age and climate. It's dangerous, man, especially with uh, the coronavirus going around still. And, you know, but that was a different uh, landscape. I mean, that was before COVID and now with uh, Timmy 
fans in attendance. I don't know how many. I don't know if it's significantly reduced. Probably is, if I'm betting. Um, but if Khabib were to fight Connor again, I mean, I think that would do massive numbers. It would do significantly larger numbers, I think. Because you look at the landscape of the first fight. And it wasn't really competitive. Connor did win a round against Khabib, but overall, you know, Khabib did what he, what he needed to do. But if Connor did fight Khabib with a broken foot, I I, I want to see what uh Connor looks like um in a rematch. You know, generally sitting here thinking about it now, I am kind of intrigued and curious to see how it can go. You know, because it's easy to think about what Khabib's going to do, but when it comes to stopping it or trying to utilize a game plan to counter what Khabib's doing, then, you know, that's when you really have problems. Because, you know, what does Khabib do? comes out, you know, obviously every fight starts on the feet. And then and once you start backing up towards the cage and, you know, that forward movement that Khabib does, and once he gets you to where he can shoot in, against the, once your back is against the cage... That's where he gets people right down. I mean, Khabib gets people down uh, right away, and, you know, he's like a wet blanket. He stays on you. He doesn't get off you. He's suffocating. I mean, Connor did show good takedown defense early on in the first fight, but over over time, Khabib just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, and uh, he, he zapped him. I mean, I feel like a rematch would be significantly di- different. I do believe Connor can hurt Khabib if, if, if put to, uh, put if he puts together the proper um you know, puts puts I mean if he if Connor trains properly, not saying he didn't train properly, but you know, I, I still think Connor could very well have some success against Khabib, but will it be enough? Especially with the the advanced ground game. I mean it feels like Khabib's just on a different level. I mean, if you can't beat Khabib and you're not lightweight and you fought Khabib before, and then Khabib goes away, there's a side of me that would think, like, dude, what am I even doing here? Especially, I mean, obviously the the division clears up. If Khabib's not a part of the division, it's going to clear up a lot of things and open up a lot of opportunities for a lot of these uh, top-ranked fighters that may not have, may have not been able to have those opportunities because Khabib's the champion, and it's a hard sell, especially if they've lost to Khabib. So for uh, Dustin Poirier, for Michael Chandler... For um, Charles Oliveira, obviously, you can't forget about Charles Oliveira. He's in the mix, too. Uh, I mean, he's top-ranked contender, too. Very nasty submissions as well. Um, you know, he's in the conversation. For all these guys that may have not had a better chance against Khabib, they have, and better have chances against each other. You know, like, they have chances against each other. You know, they'll fight amongst each other to determine who is the champion or if this fights for the belt or not. Then... You know, if there's not an undisputed lightweight champion, then, you know, opens the door for these guys. It's interesting to see the direction it's going to go. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in both uh, both fights, you know, Connor's fight as well as Michael Chandler's fight. Very intrigued to see how Michael Chandler improves and how he performs inside the octagon, you know, seemingly because he had success over in Bellator, multiple-time world champion, the face of Bellator for the longest time. One of the highest profile signings that the UFC has had as of late. Very exciting. Very long awaited. Is it too too late for Michael Chandler to debut in the UFC? We will find out. Dan Hooker is no easy task. I mean, Dan Hooker, those vicious knees, nasty kicks. 
And, you know, he's vicious, man. When he, when he knocks you out, he knocks you out viciously, man. He has good timing. Very phenomenal striker. I mean, Michael Chandler's a wrestler, so I know Michael Chandler's going to be going for the takedown. I bet you anything he's going to go for the takedowns. I and mean, we haven't really seen Danny get taken down too much. But, uh, you know, keeping him down is a hard thing from what I've seen in the footage. And, um, you know, obviously Chandler has a lot of power. And if he's able to get Hooker down and keep him there and utilize his wrestling, maybe that would be better. I mean, he could use his power as well and stand on the feet. But bread and butter, you know, I'd say that Chandler's wrestling is amongst the best. And you know, there's not really a lot of people out there that can uh, wrestle like the high caliber wrestling that Michael Chandler has. So he could take him down or strike with him. But I feel like Hooker being the taller, lengthier guy, he has a better chance of getting the knockout. You know, obviously, Michael Chandler is a lot shorter, a little stockier. Kind of reminds me of like a 155-pound version of Chad Mendez. You know, kind of similar in a lot of ways. Both fantastic wrestlers. Both uh, both have participated in championship-level fights. Both have knockout power. Is that crazy to compare Chad Mendez Michael Chandler? They're pretty much, they're pretty similar, right? So, I mean, if Chandler, if Chandler can't land those power shots on um, Hooker, then he's going to have to go to his next thing. Bread and butter, wrestling, um, go for the takedowns. Uh, if not, then we, we, we tend to see this a lot with fighters who come from another organization or vice versa, go from the UFC to another organization. They don't necessarily perform. They don't meet the standards of what everyone was thinking of them because you don't know, say like oh top ranked contender in Bellator goes out of the UFC and gets smoked or top former UFC champion and you and the UFC gets smoked in Asia or gets smoked in a different organization right that happens periodically that happens sometimes it's all right but that just shows you that there's phenomenal fighters outside the UFC and if you say that there's not you're just one-sided and you're not allowing yourself to look at the entire side of the spectrum so there's phenomenal fighters all outside the UFC so now going back to the 155 pound division who would I like to see fight for the title well the thing is like I said we're, we're the kind of people that sit here and think about what's next and what we can match make for and picture the next fights the next logical fights and make the most sense but it's kind of weird I mean we, you kind of got to wait and see what happens with Connor and Poirier to see what Khabib wants to do. Because whoever looks good, fantastic. You know, say both of them look fantastic. Both Connor and Chandler or Poirier and Chandler or Poirier and Hooker. Um, they all look fantastic. Say the winners of the co-main event look fantastic. And it's going to be a... It's going to be weird to try to decide who should fight for the title again. And then again, you know, Connor wins. Connor is most likely going to be ahead of all these motherfuckers when it comes to title fights next. Um, I think he should be in a lot of big fights. I mean, if he doesn't go for the title shot, you know, I don't know. It, w it w wouldn't happen, but I would like to see him versus Masvidal. I see him go up to 170 and have some fun fights there. I mean, I, I mean, if Connor is in a championship fight and this does warrant him a title shot with the win over Poirier a second time, then I'd be game to see him again. It's only if Khabib wants to fight Connor again, though, because he seemed very candid that he wasn't really excited nor um, 
thrilled to have a second fight with Connor. At least the last few times discussions have come about or people have talked about it. You know, it doesn't really seem like he's too interested because he doesn't like the way that Connor carries himself. I mean, for, for Khabib, though, new challenges coming his way is a little bit more exciting for me versus him seeing, seeing him fight like a Poirier again or a Connor because we've already seen that. You know what I mean? We've already seen that, so it's interesting to see what next challenges we have. I mean, no one's really come close to beating Khabib. The Glacier T-Bow fight was close. Like I said, we recycle our words constantly. Yeah, the Glacier T-Bow fight, and we got caught by Michael Johnson. Connor won a round against him. But other than that, I mean, Papori heard him a couple times in their fights. But if Khabib can't get you down, then that's the big problem that we have not run into yet. Because he's been getting everybody down, and he'll smash you or choke you out like he did Poirier. And, you know, utilize that amazing... Who could f forget what he did to Justin Gaethje? I mean, that was textbook. That was beautiful, man. He choked him the fuck out. Nice, beautiful triangle choke, too. Khabib is a fucking savage, show. In a lot of ways, either Khabib obviously looks the same and does the same thing he did at Connor in a more impressive fashion, or... Khabib just comes out and, no, 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 it's either Khabib, you know, if Khabib and Connor fought again, how different would the fight be? In a lot of ways, I'd say Khabib wins in, in, in much more impressive fashion the second time around, right? You never know, man. We just never know in this fight game. That's the thing, but it'll be interesting. But in order to continue this conversation about who should be fighting for the title next, I mean, I'd like to see Connor fight for a belt again. I'd like to see him actually win a belt and legitimately defend it, not go up and wait, not call out boxers, not call out YouTubers, not not saying he's calling out YouTubers, more so YouTube's calling out YouTubers calling out him. I mean, if he wins against Dustin Poirier and you know the title fights aren't lined up, maybe he wants to box Manny Pacquiao. I mean that's in the discussion. I don't know how competitive that would be because Manny has de dedicated his life and time to boxing and Connor's obviously a good striker, a good boxer, has a lot of power, but it's different, man. You know, it's one of the weird things we're thinking that I was thinking about the other day. You know, he just has his boxing. That's all he's gonna be able to use. So, um, this spirals into another conversation, another topic, another thing I was talking about. It has to do with Connor though. So yesterday I was thinking, like, dude, he lost it in Floyd Mayweather and say like what you want about, you know, if Mayweather carried him and, you know, was toying with him and eventually started lighting him up and then, you know, picked his shots wisely and then, you know, picked when he wanted to finish him and shit like that. But in reality, like, that was the world of boxing. Yes, Mayweather beat him. He beat Connor. But, like, there's this, this big what if ahead of all this. What if Connor was able to use his kicks, his knees, his elbows, wrestling? Then it'll be a different fight. He would beat the fuck out of Floyd Mayweather. But when you're only limited to certain skills, and, you know, Floyd being a tactician, one of the best to ever do it, when he's been doing that twice as long as Connor, and he's a lot older than Connor, too, then, you know, it just shows you, man, there's levels to the game. I mean, he did good, he did better than a lot of people expected. And, uh, you know, like I said, if it was a street fight, maybe a different story. But, you know, there's always going to be that big what if because we're talking about if, if Connor was really so badass in a lot of people's eyes, he could beat Floyd. If he could beat Floyd in boxing, 
and MMA, that would show Conor as one of the best athletes and best fighters in the world, if so, if he were able to have that accomplished. But no, in reality, Floyd won. He beat him. But forever in my mind, there'll always be that big, what if they fought in the cage? What if they did this? And what if they did that? We'll never know because that's the nature of, the, of how it goes. Always, it's always going to be what ifs. But we can't focus on the what ifs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. All right, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here. Quickly follow us on Twitter and Instagram at KWTKPod, G the King MMA on Twitter, um, and so forth, anchor.fm forward slash KWTKPod, and just quickly let you guys know, as always, we're available everywhere you get your shows for the most part. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and all of the above, ladies and gentlemen, exclusively on Spotify podcasts. Let's get into um, some more world events. Um, so Washington, D.C. is essentially on lockdown because um, President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration is set in a couple days. But there's fears and, and loads of amounts of fears all over that people within, you know, like the National Guard troops and, and or members of the Army who were more pro-Trump might try to attack him or assassinate him or, you know, jump out. I mean, this world's as crazy as it gets already. And there's people that don't like Biden, obviously, well-documented. There's a lot of people that don't like Trump. And it seems as if all Trump supporters are being silenced. And, you know, for logical reasons, if you want to deem them logical or not, they are. I mean, a lot of Trump supporters... um are very ignorant. There's a lot of ignorant people, a lot of disrespectful Trump supporters, and that's the way that people look at him, is, is disrespect. So if you voted for Trump, you're just like him. You support everything he supports, and you stand for everything that he supports. And that's the way you're looked at, you're labeled. Trump is the enemy of the people. Everybody thinks he's the enemy. You know, and then throughout his entire term, there's just four years of constant negativity, constantly blaming things on Trump, Trump, Trump this, Trump that, Trump that. So fast forward, all right? So we've we've got Washington D.C. with twenty thousand, probably more than a hundred thousand people in general, um, but soldiers, army men, police officers, police officers from different states are coming over to Washington to aid and you know help and you know be a part of this. Uh, Biden inauguration more so security because there's been some reports and um, I don't know necessarily how true they are but of uh, propane tanks being under highways and you know being uh, under bridges and just you know people are preparing for very chaotic riot I'm not spreading fake news I'm not saying they've got to be as protective of they as they can especially when you get a new president sworn in and you've got people that support Trump that really don't like Biden at all and would probably do some things out of the ordinary to you know, cause some harm or chaos and stuff. This world's crazy. If you look at what happened at the Capitol and you look at you know the riots and all the damage and all the looting and all the craziness, what's to stop the people of the world nowadays, man? So you got to be better safe than sorry. Um, a lot of people are very nervous about it and a lot of people think that there's like an ultimate civil war that's going to happen or something wild like that. I mean, it's going to be people. Like, if any of those people that came in 
storm the Capitol, where to face off with the U.S. Army or the National Guard that's armed, you you would gratefully lose. I mean, I think it's if if it is if people do decide to come armed. I know there's been a couple people that have been arrested at a. At the um checkpoints because they have a lot of checkpoints in DC due to security concerns and obviously all that craziness that's going on. Um, it's essentially like on lockdown, so no one comes in or out really. And if you come in, you got to be you know screened and checked and everything before you come in and stuff. So um, I mean, there's reports of armed protests. I mean, not only I mean civilians bringing their guns, and that when when versus storming the Capitol and damaging stuff and not really coming armed. But when you get people who are coming armed, that's that's where you, you, you can't be too careful at all. You can't have people coming and harming, putting people's lives at risk. Officers, first responders, other civilians, the new president of the United States and the vice president of the United States and their families and all the Secret Service members and all that. You can't put people in harm's way like that. And if, if need be, I feel... The utilization of the U.S. Army and all those soldiers out there, if they need to, they will. They're patrolling. I have a friend that's in Sacramento right now um, who is a part of the Army, and you know, he's out there. Um, you know, They're on watch. They're close together. I mean, they're armed. There's armed, uh, armed uh, security, armed soldiers, armed police officers. It's, it's, I'm not deeply into the QAnon stuff because a lot of it's pretty weird and freaky. And that seems to be the target of uh, Twitter. Twitter is, you know, taking down and suspending accounts that spread false information. So when you spread false information, you're, you're filling people up with a bunch of lies and bullshit. And it can cause real life harm, like Twitter said. Like I was reading there about their policies. When you're spreading fake news and false accusations or false lies on stuff or inciting violence for for, for uh, the craziness that happened at the Capitol, man, you know how much more violence could be incited after that? It's, hence, if Trump was still able to tweet, that's going to incite violence. And we're at this point where it's it's going to get dangerous for people with their families. You're, you're endangering people's lives. People are dying. You know, we're living in a very scary United States, scary world in general. So, I mean, I could see definitely why they suspended him and suspended all these other accounts. And whom which I followed. I follow a lot of those accounts because they do give you a lot of details. There's a lot of facts. I'm not going to deny that there was facts in a lot of those things that I did see. But it mainly mainly seems like it's more focused on, you know, the election. You know, you're talking about if this ele- if you think this election was rigged or you think that, you know, Biden cheated to get in, that's where the censoring comes in. That's where the silencing comes in. Spreading crazy conspiracy theories. The, 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 well, I don't know, I don't remember what the fuck the lady's name was. The works with Twitter... And there's this leaked video that was on Twitter that they're talking about, you know, mainly going after the conspiracy theorists, people who are inciting violence or spreading false information about people. Because you spread false information about somebody and they go and kill somebody, 
just because you think that, oh, well, say like this guy, oh, this guy's a rapist or something, or he does this, and, you know, obviously, you, you're, you're inciting people to cause harm and violence. If you don't like them, if Trump doesn't like somebody, and he makes it well known to his supporters and his fans, then you're going to get a lot of those fans that gravitate the same way that Trump is. They feed off his energy. They act like it. There's a lot of people that copy and, you know, are intrigued by his antics. And they tend to act the same way. A little bit more aggressively, though. You know what I mean? It's pretty wild to see and say. Yeah, but Trump rubs off on a lot of people in a lot of wrong ways. So, I mean, you know, getting him off social media for right now until the peaceful transition of power is complete, it, it seems like to be the best thing because you look at the last few days of his um, president's, the presidency and his term, you know, we don't want any more uh, unnecessary drama. I'm not saying he's trying to cause drama, but this is like the way the mainstream people are looking at it. I mean, it seems like it's a little bit more peaceful. I mean, a little bit more boring without his tweets, I have to say. But, you know, if there's no violence, if there's nothing, you know, we're, ha we're about to have an inauguration. So we don't need any violence or extra things like that um, happening because it's just going to derail and delay a lot of things. And, you know, we want to get everything back on track. I mean, it's so crazy that we're sitting here talking about all this, all this crazy stuff with Trump and Biden going down and everything happening with the Capitol riots. I mean, COVID-19 COVID seems to be... Like something in the in the wind, you know, it was just non-existent anymore. It is very real. It's still very much here. A lot of people don't seem to be talking about it. Mainstream media doesn't really, you know, they talk about the vaccines and rolling out vaccines and all that stuff, but they don't really talk too much about the the virus versus beforehand. But um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be really interesting. I pray nothing crazy happens on inauguration day. I know there's still people fighting on twitter and a lot of accounts still either being brought back or people are trying to make new accounts and keep that that uh spread alive the QAnon supporter uh people and just people who are very much into president trump and spreading the truth and you know talking about different things like that i've been seeing a lot of accounts still trying to build their follows and stuff like that because say you get your account suspended you can unless they suspend your uh device like, you know, have an IP, IP address or something like that. Or I don't know if they go that deeply within it, but I'm pretty sure you can sign in under different people's profiles and stuff like that. I just, I don't know how it works, though. And, and the smartest thing for Twitter to do if you really didn't want someone to get back on that platform would be to suspend the uh, IP address or block the IP address from accessing your, your application. And if you want to get a new phone or something like that, you could. But, yeah, that, that seems like the more logical thing to do. But it seems like it's pretty easy to log into Twitter. So if you get suspended, you can go create another account. I have three Twitter accounts, actually. I have the G the King MMA one. I have um, Kicking with the King, obviously, and then the uh, Woke Society page. That was, you know, essentially supposed to be one of those um, pages that, you know, kind of, Know, share a lot of the crazy shit that goes on and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it's, give me one second.
But yeah, I mean, let's see what let's see what we got. Any breaking news or anything as of late? I was reading something, sorry. crazy I post you want, want me to read this this is the kind of stuff I think Twitter blocks because it sounds kind of like a little creepy outrageous I guess depending on what you how the way you look at it oh it says it's January 17 2021 good day everybody what an amazing time you live in make sure you recharge your batteries especially spiritually this is spiritual war and probably one of the biggest ones you've ever, we'll ever seen in our lifetime put on the full armor of God Ephesus six these next few days are going to be absolutely insane the enemy which is satan is unleashing everything now in the information war and it will crank up even more make sure you're filling in your tank spiritually and let god speak to you and let you understand your role in the coming days you have been chosen for a time like this be careful who you listen to and trust god through this we're almost there hold the line patriots the best yes to come some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wild when people write stuff like that. You just, I don't know. <laughs> Jeanette Paltrow's vagina candle reportedly explodes in UK woman's home. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and we're back. All right, here we go. General William Walker, the commanding general of the District of Columbia National Guard. Major, thank you for joining us this morning. Can you start out by saying what the current threat level is? Do you have what you need in place to counter it? Good morning, uh, sir. I do believe we have everything. Uh, if I can first say um, yeah, happy lot, holiday for Dr. Troops. Martin Luther King, and please allow me to say how proud I am of the almost 20 5,000 National Guardsmen who have come in from all 50 states and territories to help support the Secret Service and the police departments that with a peaceful transition of military power. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thank you for that, sir. So, so, the, so the question was, do I have enough? Yes. yes, sir. I believe we do. And, and tell us what the role of the National Guard is going to be. You just said they're going to be there to assist law enforcement are they trained for policing activities what can they do what can't they do what are they trained for so we're trained uh, principally for civil disturbance we we um practice it yearly we re we rehearse it when we get here so we are to back up uh, layer protection for the seat i want to see the whole video I wanted to see that fucking video. Um, 
But there's this page. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be up for, considering the fact that it does post a lot of really touchy things nowadays, like stuff that you think Twitter would probably start censoring because of look at how much stuff Twitter censors nowadays. But uh, it, you can follow them, ladies and gentlemen. Um, oh, shit. So, um, some breaking news. Um, follow them on Twitter at Disclose TV. But um, Gab is back online after being offline for maintenance and is up and is lightning fast now. So um, let me check that out. Ooh, go on to Gab.com. Um, Gab.com slash G, the king official. Let's see. We're going to log into Gab. And um, I think that's pretty much it for today's show it's good it was good to be back and we will be back on um friday this friday we'll be back not too long from now ladies and gentlemen so uh like i said follow me on gab.com slash you the king official follow me on instagram at obviously kwtk pod i don't have any um interests in you know uh what is it any interest in I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Anyways, guys, um, that's it for us today. I appreciate you guys for joining us here on this episode. Um, be sure to follow us, like I said. Like, share, rate, and review. Appreciate every single one of you guys. We're out of this bitch. Bye, folks. DJ, turn it up. DJ, turn it up in three, two, one. Boom. DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Kinda get lit, music allowed this nigga but hits If I have on it, then look what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch I come to party, kinda get lit, music allowed this nigga but hits If I have on it, then look what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch